0: Welcome back to another episode of Cherishing Scriptures Podcast. We are changing society by cherishing scriptures. We're going to finish with or start James chapter 3. I think Zach's going to read it for us.
1: Yeah, let's go ahead and get straight into the reading. It says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us. And we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, and are driven a fierce wind, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so, the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, it setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea, is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison.
2: It's a great chapter. Yeah. A lot of practical truth here in this chapter today. And uh, if you guys don't mind, I'll just comment. Maybe get started. Um, you know, I, I think um, <clears throat> my understanding of chapter number three, especially the early part of it, that where it talks about uh, talks about the fact of a um, a master in that passage of scripture, and it talks about that in a similar way to the tradition of um, of universities and colleges that that issue master's degrees, uh, and typically. Those degrees are issued to people who intend to be teachers. And so, what he's talking about literally in this passage is a teacher, uh, which, biblically speaking, is somebody who's teaching God's Word. And I found that incredibly interesting that, um, you know, he places emphasis on offense. And the emphasis on offense is begun by discussing uh, the man of God, the teacher, the master. And he actually discourages those who uh, intend to go into ministry for the wrong reasons. He tells them not to do it. You notice there in verse number one, he says, be not many masters, literally meaning don't try it, don't do it, don't attempt it, Uh, don't jump into this thing with both feet if you're not prepared for this, because the most offensive person in the church is the pastor. Uh, Not intentionally, not deliberately, he's not trying to be crude or mean-spirited or anything of that nature, but Uh, Just simply because he's speaking so often, uh, he has the potential to be more offensive than anyone else in the entire congregation. So sins of the tongue, man of God is not exempt. He's right there at the top of the list.
1: Yeah, something else. You know, I've mentioned it before about James uh, and about the Bible as a whole. Uh, One thing that just amazes me uh, with some of these men of God when they're moved by God to write these scriptures is, I mean, he uses two great illustrations here. I mean, all of us have seen a horse, I'm sure, and we know how the bridle works. I mean, it's such a small little bit in the horse's mouth, uh, but that horse obeys everything you want it to do because of that one small bit in the roof of its mouth. And also, to add on top of that, you add the ships, and it talks about the size of a ship. I mean, yeah, a horse is big. Sure, the bit is small, but, I mean, a ship is massive, and the rudder of a ship is tiny compared to the whole size of the ship. And here he uses two things, and he's like, look, these are big things controlled by smaller, much smaller parts of the ship or much smaller parts of the horse's mouth. And it says that's the same way your uh, body is. Uh, your body is such a big thing. Uh, you're, you're what? I'm six foot three, but my tongue is so small. But yet it can control uh, most of, uh, it can impact more than a lot of my actions can. Very true.
2: Yep.
0: Yeah. I think well uh, that you know, in talking about um how the um uh, there's only one thing the big thing controls the um I lost my train of thought now. It's gone. So <laughs> Yeah, the
1: <laughs> big thing I think you were going on the it's just such something so big is controlled by something so small. Um once again with the horse or the ship yeah. and the rudder.
2: Yeah, and the other illustration that he gives to me in the passage you know we all have our favorite stuff Mm -hmm. you know what's more vivid to me may not be as vivid to you or illustrative i guess you could use that term and so you know there's no question the rudder small rudder turning a huge ship uh the the tongue you know being a small member how it controls our body so much but the illustration that stands out the most to me is he calls it a fire and uh, and he he uses a, a forestry term there, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And so you take a uh, you take a forest that has taken hundreds, hundreds, hundreds of years to grow. it can be destroyed in days by a cigarette butt. Mm, it can yeah. be destroyed in in hours, literally by one lightning strike, one part uh, one point of a spark. And all of a sudden, you got a fire that can destroy. And I think that's that's really the practical aspect here. He's talking about the church. Yeah. You know, you, we, our church is growing. I mean, you guys have seen this with your own eyes. And if you're listening on the podcast and you don't know anything about Brandon Baptist Tabernacle, we're in a season of of growth right now. God has really been good to us, but it can all be destroyed by one person with a fiery tongue that is set on fire of hell. Uh, it could take away everything that we've built, everything that God is doing here.
1: Yeah, um, actually, uh, we can go on this a little bit. Uh, I was talking to Nathan and Jeremy in the car, and I said, you know, it's so amazing to me uh, the great privilege that uh, a preacher has to get up and deliver God's word to his people that God has given to him. But how dangerous can it be if the preacher's in a bad mood or is we country people like to say he got something in his craw and he just gets up there and he's a battle axe. I mean, he's just going up there and he's just chopping down trees. Um, and I think that goes back to the uh, fire part. I mean, you have this small little fire, be it, can burn a whole forest down.
3: Yep. There's one little line in verse number four, and it, it right after it's talking about the ship, it's uh, controlled by the helm, and it says, "Whithersoever the governor listeth." So if you're governing your body, if you're the governor of your life, that's going to proceed out of your mouth. I think it's in Luke six forty-five where. Uh, it talks about how what's in your heart is going to come out through your words out of the abundance of the heart the mouth the will mouth speak the mouth speaking that's right mm-hmm, right and so if Jesus Christ is not governing your actions not governing your your speech and your thought life then it's you and it's going to show but if Jesus Christ is governing that then it will also show
1: yeah yeah i agree with that you know something else i think that James makes very clear. Look at verse number 8. The first uh, phrase of that, he says, But the tongue can no man tame. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's true. I mean, there's no nothing mankind can do uh, to tame his tongue on his own. I mean, I, I've been here. Um, I I, tr- I try not to have filthy language, but guess what? When you slam a hammer on your finger, it's one of the first things that you want to say. Uh, and it's a, it's a reality. Look. Uh, The mankind can never control this matter of the tongue, but the spirit can. And I think that's what he's going back to. A lot of times he's talked about how important the spirit is in your life. And he's going back here saying, look, you can't control this by yourself. Uh, This matter is bigger than you are. Uh, And this is something that it's a battle between the flesh and the spirit. And you got to let the spirit have
0: control so that it uh, can win this battle for you. Yep. Yeah, and I—I I went. That's a good thing you said that because I was thinking about um, in Galatians five twenty two earlier today. That's what it says: the fruit of the spirit, um, and so the fruit of the spirit will take, will basically cure all of that. And one yep. of the things I mean, it says temperance, which is kind of related to um, self control, yep, in a way. So we can't do it, but the spirit can. Yeah,
1: yeah. and I actually, I just preached a message in chapel to our young people, um, and. I was talking about uh, Peter in Second Peter. When he's talking about the matter, he's saying, add to your faith a uh, virtue, virtue knowledge, so on and so forth. Um, he gets towards the end, he starts mentioning, you know, charity and brotherly kindness and stuff of that nature. But I, I think the big important thing was, was Peter knew who he was a Simon. He knew who he was when the flesh controlled, but he knew who he could be when the spirit controlled. Hmm. And when he... He crossed that threshold, so to speak, and he stopped being Simon, but he started being Peter. Uh, And I think that that's the same thing that James is talking about, is that there's some things, there's some matters in your life you're never going to win on your own. Uh, You can't, mankind has a need and a desire to make themselves naturally better. Uh, Humanism makes man want to believe that he can inherently make himself better. But the Bible says that you have no chance. It says you have no chance and you need the spirit to just take control yeah. so that you can be more like Christ.
2: You know, I think it's really interesting too. You know, the the last podcast we did talking about chapter number two, uh, you know, we concluded, you know, we were talking about the respect of persons and faith without works is dead being alone and so on and so forth. And um, you know, that's where he gives that that incredible statement. If you uh if you keep the whole law and offend in one point, you're guilty of all. Mm. And so I don't think there's any accident here that chapter number three is next. Because, you know, what's at the opening section there, verse number two, in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. So he's, he's saying here, he's really calibrating, engaging the, the state of our perfectionism. And he's saying, if you think you're perfect, let's talk about your tongue. Because mm-hmm. any man who can bridle the tongue, that man is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. If you can control your tongue, you're nigh perfect Uh, but nevertheless in the doctrine of chapter number two even if you could control your tongue even if you can live perfectly still not going to take you to heaven because it's the vicarious death of christ you know that does that for us but I i found that incredibly compelling that uh the the if there's one thing that we should strive to control as a badge of sanctification it's our tongue our speech yeah that's good
1: you know, and something, to go back to that fire illustration that you gave, I mean, I would I would like to consider, I guess you could consider the church more of a garden than you would naturally a forest, you know, like fruit trees, stuff of that nature. You'd consider it more of a garden. But you know, I, how many times have we seen pastors build this wonderful, uh, they get this momentum going, start seeing fruits from the tree, and then they just get up there and say one thing that they shouldn't it's not a giant flame it's a small fire said something and just burns down everything uh, that he had been working towards uh and you pretty much have to push restart at that point when that happens
3: most of the time you can't push restart
2: yeah yeah because you know what's the old um what was it when we were in school you know uh sticks and stones break my bones but words never harm it's the most most untrue thing that's ever been said yep. you know mm-hmm. uh, the word of of well words are what edify or words are what tear, tear down mm-hmm. there's no question about it
3: that's probably why proverbs speaks so much about the tongue is because that's one thing if a young person can learn early in life they'll be no much better doubt off. about it yep. and that's something that I've struggled with you know, I got foot and mouth syndrome, and I say a lot of things that you sound like three dead even. camels. What, who? Who said that in high <laughs> school? Yeah.
2: But the the thing about it is, is is this? You know the the way that this is intended to be understood is that no one is exempt. Right, he right. starts with the man of God. Yeah, he you know starts what I'm saying. With who you I think mean, would be at the top? With, yeah, you you look at the church and you say. right. if there's anybody in the church that's got it together, it's supposed to be the man of God anyway. And he starts hearing, he says, there's nobody more offensive than a man of God Mm -hmm. because of the the fact that he can say something. uh, And because people measure his words so highly, they think that what the man of God is saying is so vitally important that uh, when he says something hazardous, wrong, critical, mean-spirited, out of anger, whatever you want to call it, all of a sudden his words become the sharpest knife mm. in the whole church and they can uh, they can cut you straight to the bone. Yeah,
1: and you know, uh, I think that's why, like Nathan mentioned it earlier, the, the fact that the heart is the biggest matter of this. I mean, a lot of times uh, the difference purely between me taking something that you say, uh, Dr. Bailey, and taking it as, okay, this is where I need to grow, this is where I need to learn, or me taking it offensively is purely just because i know the heart right i know the heart of the person right uh, and it goes back like i said i played sports my whole life and people be like man these coaches are just so mean they're so hateful they grab kids by the face mask pull them in yell at them scream at them uh, but the reality is oftentimes i knew the heart of my coach i knew what his goal was i knew what he wanted what he intended uh, in the words uh sometimes are a matter of emotion but I I can take his heart out of that situation and understand what he's trying to get from it. And the same thing can be said with a preacher. A lot of times it comes down to the heart. The mouth is just a reflection of what the heart is saying. And if the pastor gets up there and the congregation doesn't feel the love from the pastor or doesn't feel like the pastor cares for him, the pastor's agitated with him, and he gets up there and he just starts swinging a battle axe, I mean, it's just going to damage and destroy the church. Uh, But if he gets up there out of love and he corrects them it's a completely different matter
3: and that's uh, one of the temperaments that Pastor Bailey said was the ideal pastor is the phlegmatic because he's so easygoing. he's not he's not always trying to jump down somebody's throat and get you know, his way, he's not That's not always on his mind. In Proverbs chapter 15, it talks about this in verse number one it says, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. The tongue of the wise uses, not, uses knowledge of right, but the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil, the evil in the and the good. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. And so, to have that laid back personality that you know, not saying that you're afraid to confront sin and to have that reproving and rebuking aspect, but knowing when to let things slide and knowing what to say, that is a genuine gift from God. And it's something that every Christian, no matter if you're just the back row, if you're a choir director, if you're a song leader, if you're the pastor, whatever whatever role you play in the church, you still should be witnessing and knowing how to use your tongue for the glory of God that should be our purpose and that should be our mission to study ourselves and be able to find where we fit in that role in studying how we can implement our tongue right
1: Yeah, and I I think uh, to kind of wrap this up we'll just uh, put in a a real life example for us uh pastor if you don't mind uh I, I would like for you i think this would fit perfectly when you were talking about and he just mentioned there's uh, the ecclesiastes speaks so there's a time to speak and there's a time to keep silence and i think a story that really sticks out to me uh, with this matter of correcting something or letting the holy spirit take its course uh, is when you mentioned the young lady that joined your choir um, and she had a nose ring in
2: yeah yeah, it's, it's a great story. You know, I was just thinking, uh, and I'll I'll share that in just a moment, but uh, what Nathan was saying, that's really the eureka of the situation with the tongue simply because um, And I think we're going to have to go further with this in the next podcast because there's so much material here, you know, but um, the reality is it can be sinful not to speak. Mm. We're to praise the Lord. You know, the Bible says... Uh, uh, he did not say he put a new song in my heart. People misquote that verse all the time. It says, he put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. And so uh, God is due our, uh, our adoration verbally, vocally. Uh, so really mastering the tongue comes down to this, knowing when to speak up, knowing when to shut up. And if we don't have that, uh, then we can become an incredible curse to the church. All of us in this room no matter what age, have uh, have experienced the scourge of somebody uh, misusing their tongue, you know. But this young lady you're talking about, her name was Nikki, and um, she was such a sweet lady. She got born again. Uh, her husband got saved one night, and I, I I was taking him home, and uh, when we got home, I said, I want you to tell you, I'm going to come in, I'm going to come in with you, and I want you to tell your wife what happened to you tonight. And his name was Austin, and we went inside, and Austin was just crying, you know, just, just emotional about what had happened to him, and and as soon as we came in the door, Nikki thought something was wrong, because here he is boohooing and crying, and I'm with him. She thinks, you know, I'm here to give her some terrible news. And uh, he threw his arms around her neck and said, "I just got born again," and and uh, Pastor and I want to come and talk to you about getting born again, also. And man, I'm telling you, there was no, there was no um, uh, prying and pushing. She was ready. Mm-hmm. So she got saved. She came to church the next Sunday, and uh, she wanted to get involved immediately. You know, and I've never resisted that unless there's some extenuating circumstance. So she wanted to jump up in the choir, and she did. And uh, she was dr- she was dressed okay. You know, everything seemed to be fine. You know, not that that's the most important thing in the world. But she had a mm-hmm. nose ring, and um, which is a violation of our choir standard. And so I, uh, I was going to approach her and say, hey, Nikki, you know, do you mind either taking that out or just waiting until you can, maybe singing the choir later later time or whatever. And the Spirit of God just closed my mouth. I mean, the Spirit of God just said, "You don't say a word. You let me handle this." And so I did exactly as as I was compelled to do. I kept my mouth shut, and uh, you know, she came several weeks, and the next time I saw her, that nose ring was out. And she actually came to me and she said, "Pastor, uh, you know, I should have known better, and I, I don't. I'm sorry if, if I embarrassed you or anything. I never said a word, mm. you know. So, you know, we think we have to get things straightened out." by using our tongue but the holy spirit who is mute physically can persuade people a whole lot stronger um than we can and so I'm, i've always been thankful for that young lady how the lord because you know it wasn't just her i mean she had a lesson to learn obviously but god taught me as a pastor a lesson you know you can really hurt people with your tongue.
3: Mm-hmm. so that's good that's good.
2: Um,
1: that's good. I'm definitely looking forward to yeah. us finishing up this. There's topic. so much more. I mean, there's so much more. We haven't even, yeah. I mean, the tip of the iceberg hasn't even been hit. We right. didn't even ask any questions today, but uh, I'm definitely excited to see what the remainder of this chapter, talking about the tongues, has to deal with.
0: Absolutely. I agree. Well, I guess we'll close it out there. And uh, do you want to pray it?
3: Yeah. Uh, Nathan, you want to lead us in prayer? Yeah. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Lord, we just thank you for the time to come together, Lord, as uh study studying uh, your word and lord i pray that we uh, did this chapter justice lord and lord i pray that you will just continue to go forward in this ministry and that you'll just continue to uh, guide and direct us lord as we go through open doors and i pray that we might be a blessing to someone in jesus name amen amen, amen. amen.